put your faith and trust in Jesus, God's Spirit takes up residence inside your heart. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times when the Spirit will stir in unique ways and do unique things. But instead of it being a visitation where the Spirit will come upon and leave, if you are born again and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells within you and has taken up the deed of your life. And that's a huge difference. But I think for a lot of us, We're so busy seeking a visitation that we forget that if you were born again, the Spirit of God already dwells in you. As we continue to study the book of Numbers with Pastor Daniel today, we are reminded that the Old Testament communication with God was very different than it is now. Those in ancient times didn't have the direct connection to God through the Holy Spirit that we do today. When we accept Jesus' gift of salvation through His death on the cross, we're given immediate access to him through the Holy Spirit, who from that point on lives in us. Now here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, The Way of Balaam. All right, let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 24. Numbers, chapter 24. As we continue this series through the Bible... In the book of Numbers, we're in this series that we're calling Wilderness, and we really only have this and then our next study, and then we're going to be going into our final series in the book of Numbers. Now, I've made the case many times is that really the book of Numbers actually covers about 38 years. So if you think that the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, so by the time they leave Egypt in the book of Exodus, and by the time they make it into the promised land in the book of Joshua, really you have Exodus and Leviticus covers a very short amount of time, and then the book of Numbers covers about 38 years, and then they go on into the promised land. And so in the book of Numbers, we've covered a lot of ground. And where we are right now is that the children of Israel are practically on the edge of the promised land. And they're beginning their journey. And the nations around them are getting very nervous. So if you recall, there was a number of nations who just came out to go to battle against the children of Israel. And Moses and the folks who had been wandering, they weren't looking for a fight. God was giving them land on the other side of the Jordan. But yet, these kings decided that they needed to preemptively attack the children of Israel. And it was to no avail. Because God's hand was on the children of Israel, and God was protecting them. And then finally, you have this king named Balak, and we've been studying this. This is our third part in this series. He's like, look, I'm not going to be like these other kings. I'm not going to go out to battle against the children of Israel. I'm going to fight a different battle. So he called for this prophet named Balaam. And Balaam was a well-known prophet for hire. And he said, I know what I'm going to do. I don't want to fight these guys hand-to-hand combat style. So I'm going to call this prophet, and we're going to have this prophet. He's going to come, and he's going to curse the children of Israel. And so we're going to win that way. And so sure enough, we spent some time looking at Numbers chapter 22, of course, where we find Balaam 
going to the Lord, should I go? Lord says, don't go. Balaam says, okay, I can't go. And then they come back later with more money and more prestigious people to invite him. And Balaam's like, okay, I'm going to go. And the Lord's like, okay, you can go. And then the whole thing with the talking donkey, you guys remember that? Yeah, that was fun. If you missed it, you got to go back and listen to Numbers 22. Yes, a donkey talks to a prophet. Only in God's word can you find such amazing things. But literally, and I've made the case that sometimes God will use the mouth of a donkey to reveal to us the errors of our ways. And I made the case that we have to learn how to be teachable. I mean, you can imagine this prophet just being like, yo, you know, like, I'm a prophet. You're a donkey. But it's interesting, when the donkey starts talking to Balaam, Balaam starts talking back to the donkey. We spent some time on this. Some people say, oh, well, that's why I can't believe the Bible. And, you know, who could believe in a talking donkey? It's like, well, just go on YouTube. You got all sorts of talking animals on YouTube. It's like, that's what I think God invented YouTube to be able to show us that some of the hangups we have, they're just not really legitimate hangups. But remember, it's not that someone trained this donkey to speak. The donkey had never spoken to Balaam before and probably never after that. But God opened the mouth of the donkey. And I'm here to tell you that if you don't believe in a God who can do anything, then you don't really believe in God. And that's part of the teaching of the Bible is that the God who created and sustains everything can do anything. Anything God wants to do. And oftentimes we think about that in a faraway sense, like, oh yeah, of course God can do anything he wants to do. But we forget that God actually can do anything he wants to do in our lives and in our circumstances as well. So it's not enough to have a God who's distant, who can do anything. But we say, no, do I believe that God can do anything in my life and in my circumstances? And that's why in the Bible we see things about that we should have hope Because if we believe in the God of the all-possible, then there's never a hopeless situation because we believe in the God of the all-possible. And so, sure enough, Balaam gets to Balak, and they go through the whole rigmarole. Balak's, why don't you come right away? Well, they go through the whole thing. And so Balak says, look, I need you to curse the children of Israel. And he's like, bro, listen, God already spoke to me. And he doesn't say bro in there, that's me. He's like, bro, God already spoke to me, and I'm only allowed to say what he tells me to say, Right? And I like that about Balaam, because in this way, Balaam's a good prophet. And really, for you and I, we have to be careful of speaking in the traditional kind of Catholicism way they would call it, ex cathedra, from the place of honor. We have to be careful of saying that God says things that God's not saying. You know, like, we live in a day and age where people, like, if you want backing for what you're going to say, you say, like, well, God told me to do it, right? This is God saying, it's not me, it's God's fault. And I made the case that if we're going to blame God for stuff, we better make sure that God is actually to blame for this stuff. And that's why God has given us his word, not necessarily our interpretations of his word. God's, he's given us his word in a book so we can say, this is what God says right here. But we have to be careful because a lot of times we have some funky interpretations of God's word and we trot that stuff out there. This is God. So I always say we want to get God's heart right in his word as well as his word. Sometimes you can get God's word right and his heart wrong. And we've all been there, right? Where it's like you're mad and angry at somebody because of a verse in the Bible where God's word doesn't say you should be mad and angry at people. It says you should what? You should love them and not judge them, even though what they're doing goes against God's word. So we have to be careful when God's word says something. God's word also says that we need to love God with all of our hearts and love our neighbor as ourselves. And All of the law and the prophets hang on that. 
So if we hold something in God's word without love, we actually are not holding God's word. Sure enough, we see Balaam going up, and we've already seen in chapter 23, we saw a number of prophecies already. And really what it boiled down to each time is that Balak wanted Balaam to curse the children of Israel. And what does Balaam keep doing? He keeps blessing them. Why? Because God has blessed them. Now, I think this is important because especially in the day and age that we live in where people curse Christianity, people don't like Christianity for the way that Christianity's teachings don't line up with the teachings and the whims of our culture. People say, I don't like Christianity, and they curse Christianity. But you have to realize that God blesses his people. And sometimes God blesses his people with the consternation of people who don't believe. I know everybody wants to be liked. But Jesus did say, woe to you if all men speak well of you. Most people don't quote that verse too often, right? Because... See, Jesus realizes that if we're pleasing everybody around us, we're probably not pleasing the God who created us and sustained us. That all of us need to make decisions in our lives that says, I'm going to please God, and there is going to be some fallout from this. Like, I remember, a personal example for me, I experienced this. So, like, for a lot of you know, I played music professionally when I got out of college, and then when God called me into the ministry. So my family did not like that I was a professional musician, and I actually, God called me into the profession. That's the one thing that my family liked less than a professional musician, and that was being a pastor. And so sure enough, when I told my family, like, I'm moving to the West Coast, I'm going to be a professional musician, they're like, well, that's just not a good way to use your college degree, and, you know, everyone's not happy with that. And then when, after a few years, when God called me into the ministry, my family was like, you're doing what? All of a sudden, they loved that I was a professional musician, and like, my family started flying out, they thought I was in a cult. Because it's like, how did my bass playing son end up wanting to be a pastor? And I remember, like, my dad would give me a Christmas present with a little money in there. He's like, now, does that money go to you? Or the church. Because, like, I mean, we don't have any pastors in my family. You know what I mean? And it was like, and I realized that God called me into that, but I had to jump through some hoops with my family because they didn't understand what I was doing or why I was doing it. And oftentimes, if you're following the Lord, oftentimes people who know you and love you, they won't understand what you're doing. They don't understand why you're doing it. But if you're following Jesus, and if the fruit of the decisions you're making are the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, if that's the fragrance of the decisions you're making, over time, they'll be like, you know what? I may not agree with you, but I like who you're becoming, even if they don't agree. And so we have to always remember that if you're following Jesus, we may not always be the most popular people in our culture, or you may not be the most popular person in your office because you're just not like everybody else, and you're not the person buying everybody shots at happy hour or whatever. But you're saying, God, I want to honor you, and I want my life to be a fragrance. And even if people curse us, God has blessed us still because all of God's blessing is bound up in the person and work of Jesus that we experience by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, 
Brothers and sisters, you are infinitely blessed. Infinitely blessed. You are a child of God. You are called beloved. No matter how horrible the day went, no matter how many things you got wrong, it's not like God's like, yeah, you got it wrong over you. Listen, God chose us knowing we get most things wrong. That's why Jesus died and rose again, my friends. So no person can really curse whom God has blessed. Nobody can truly curse somebody who God has blessed. And Balak is learning this through his experiences with Balaam. So let me pick up here in Numbers chapter 23, verse 27, which is Balaam's third prophecy. So I said Numbers 24, we're going to back up just four verses to get the context. It says, then Balak said to Balaam, please come. I will take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God that you may curse them for me from there. So Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor that overlooks the wasteland. Then Balaam said to Balak, build for me here seven altars and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had said and offered a bull and a ram on every altar. Now, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go as at other times to seek to use sorcery, but he set his face toward the wilderness and Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to their tribes, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And then he took up his oracle and said, the utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, the utterance of a man whose eyes are open, the utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel like valleys that stretch out, like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. He shall pour water from his buckets and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag. His kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox He shall consume the nations, his enemies. He shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? Blessed is he who blesses you. And cursed is he who curses you. Verse 10, and then Balak's anger was aroused against Balaam and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies and look, you have bountifully blessed them these three times. Now therefore flee to your place. I said I would greatly honor you, but in fact the Lord has kept you back from honor. So Balaam said to Balak, did I not also speak to your messengers whom you sent to me saying, if Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold... I could not go beyond the word of the Lord to do good or bad of my own will. What the Lord says that I must speak. And now indeed, I am going to my people. Come, I will advise you what this people will do to your people in the latter days. Now, 
The third prophecy is interesting because every time Balak doesn't get the response he wants, he asks for the same thing with a few different details. And my friends, that's a great picture of temptation, isn't it? So like when you and I are confronted with a temptation, right? If we don't give in to that temptation, it's not that that temptation vanishes. It comes back, but it slightly tweaks the form of how things are to see if we can catch you in the right context at the right time so that you'll actually give in to this temptation. See, Balak is like, look, so the context being where we are, we're going to have a change of scenery. We're going to see if it works this time. And so this time he brings him up to the wasteland, which obviously just by its title was not exactly the most beautiful of places. He's saying, look, bringing him up to overlook the children of Israel, that's not good. So we're going to bring him over to this other place and we're going to see what's going to happen, right? Now, Balaam has him build those seven altars. There's these different offerings. Now, again, these are not the offerings in the tabernacle that were given to the children of Israel. This is more of like a pagan style of an offering, not linked up with God's laws given to Moses, right? And so they offer all these sacrifices. And what we find out is that in chapter 24, verse 1, it says, When Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go, as at other times, to seek to use sorcery, but he set his face toward the wilderness, and Balaam raised his eyes, and he saw Israel encamped according to their tribes. And so what's fascinating about this is that all of a sudden, Balaam is aware that God loves to bless his people. And Balaam leaves the wasteland and he goes and he goes to see the children of Israel. He said his face, he's like, look, I'm going to lead the way. I'm going to see the people. And when he sees the people, Balaam gets filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes upon him. Now, the language is interesting. And if you've studied your Bibles, you realize that the Spirit of God would come upon somebody for a very specific purpose in the Old Testament. And one of the main differences between somebody who was following God in the Old Testament, somebody who is following God on this side of the death and resurrection of Jesus, is now in the Old Testament, the Spirit visits. There's a visitation for a season, for a moment. In the New Testament, the Spirit inhabits. It becomes a habitation. Where if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, God's Spirit takes up residence inside your heart. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times when the Spirit will stir in unique ways and do unique things. But instead of it being a visitation where the Spirit will come upon and leave, if you are born again and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells within you and has taken up the deed of your life. And that's a huge difference. But I think for a lot of us, we're so busy seeking a visitation that we forget that if you were born again, the Spirit of God already dwells in you. And instead, it'd be like, and some of you parents have done this, you know, my kids are funny that way, where you think they're inside, but they're outside. Or you think they're outside and they're inside. I don't know how many times I've gone out and be like, Obadiah, start screaming, Obadiah. Like, you guys could probably hear me here at the church. I live like eight miles away, Obadiah, but Obadiah's sitting in his room. And I think for a lot of us, we're like, Holy Spirit, come. And Holy Spirit's like, I'm right here. I'm right here, right now. I live within your heart. And we need to stop hoping that the Holy Spirit's going to show up. And if you're here and you're in Christ, then the Holy Spirit dwells in your life. And you don't need to scream and yell. You simply need to say, Spirit, do what you want to do. Flow out of my life. I don't need to ask you to show up. 
You're already here. My, what does the Bible say? That we're the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God, what? Dwells in you. If you put your faith and trust in you, the Spirit of God has taken up residence in your life. And the Spirit of God is literally the breath of our lives. When the apostle says that in him we live and we move and we have our being, the Spirit of God drives everything about our lives, intimately acquainted. So the Spirit comes upon Balaam and he takes up his oracle. And that word oracle, it literally means a mouthpiece. It was a, in the Old Testament, it was the way they spoke about when someone was giving a prophetic word. They would take up their oracle. They would become a mouthpiece. And you notice as I read this, you can sense the crescendoing in Balaam's heart as he's just like, here's my utterance, the utterance of a man whose eyes are opened. I love that line. It reminds me of the old hymn, I once was blind, and what? Now I see. For how many of us, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, all of a sudden, your eyes got opened. You had eyes to see before, but you didn't see. And now all of a sudden, your eyes are open and you see everything differently. Like the Apostle Paul, remember, on the Damascus Road when Ananias prayed for him after he met with Jesus and the scales fell from his eyes. Brothers and sisters, do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? Have you allowed God to open your eyes? Because I believe that God wants to give us life. He wants us to be able to see with clarity through the goggles of his spirit. I'm here to tell you when the spirit of God enters your life, that is 2020 vision on the way things really are. How often have we been blinded, not realizing our prescriptions way off? We're viewing things seriously wrong. In a lot of ways, that's why I do those two-minute messages. I do them for me as much as for everybody else. Because I need to constantly be reminding myself and us of what God is doing and who he is and how we're supposed to see things. Because I realize in a messy world, we have a tendency to look through glasses that are blurry. We don't see things quite clearly unless we're perpetually reminded of what's going on. And Balaam, look, my eyes are open. Verse four, the utterance of him who hears the words of God and sees the vision of the Almighty who falls down with eyes wide open. Now, you know what's amazing about this? He says he just saw a vision of the Almighty. What did Balaam actually see? He saw the children of Israel. Now, you fast forward that into the New Testament. It talks about how the church, the people of God, from every tribe, nation, and tongue, brought together as a family of faith because of Jesus. It's something that's schooling angels into the ways of God. Like when the angels who God created see the people of God, the church, not the building, the church, but the interconnected people from all over the place, from all different backgrounds who all are one in Christ, the angels are actually getting a lesson, an object lesson in who God is. Jesus is Balak tried everything he could to get the prophecy he wanted out of Balaam. Today, Pastor Daniel showed us that though worldly goods enticed him, 
Balaam only spoke the truth of God's promises for his people, prophesying an extraordinary future over Israel. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Thanks for that information, Tracy. I know listeners are going to be blessed by Pastor Daniel's new book. We'd love to put a copy of this book into your hands for all of the listeners who support Jesus Is Real Radio with a gift of $25 or more. We'll send you a copy of Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives as a way to say thank you. Your generous support helps us continue what we're doing and expand. You can get your copy of Honestly Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives when you visit JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will share even greater prophecies from Balaam. God's plan for the Israelites were not just to prosper them, but also to show every nation who He is and how turning to Him is of greater benefit to all. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series, Wilderness. Until then, may God bless. Jesus is real.